Dear God, I do thank you for your word. God, I just feel like I'm struggling to get this out. Uh, I just pray that this would come out where, uh, as you would want it to come out, that you would just help us to hear what you want us to hear and not what I say. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So first of all, we are going to be looking at the anticipated life. Psalms 139, verses 13 through 16, our scripture reading for today. It says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Verse 15 says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, as far as I am aware, nobody fits into this category, right? Nobody here is pregnant, expecting a baby, and hasn't announced this to anybody else. There's nobody who fits into this category, right? Uh, but, you know, there, it is possible, you know, that someone could be pregnant and the mother doesn't even know it yet. You know, you think about what the, the movies show before the word gets out where the mother starts feeling blah. She starts getting sick in the morning. She starts to get hungry more. She starts to, to gain weight and she doesn't know she's pregnant yet. And I don't know that from experience. I mean, Leslie was pregnant and I don't remember that. It's too long ago. But you watch the movies and that's kind of how they inform you of what is going on to kind of give you a clue that this mother is expecting a baby. But before the mother knows what's going on, who knows what is going on inside that mother? God does, right? God was intimately involved in the process of growing that baby even before the mother knew that that was coming. You know, man creates, because we're looking at God creating my inmost being. Man creates, and some men are really good at this, you know, as in creating an invention. It's through trial and error. This, I want to build a car. I don't think anybody just said, I'm going to build a car and I'm going to take, and I know exactly what piece fits where and I'm going to make it work. I think it's one of those things where I think if, if I put the wheels on this vehicle and I add the axles and I add all these components, I think it's going to work. But it doesn't move unless I push it. So I'm going to trial and error and just keep trying certain things in order to make this car run. So man creates trial and error. Man creates by following the directions. Now, all of us men are like, well, that's not me. I don't follow the directions to create. But hypothetically, we can create something by following the directions. By throwing it together. You know, think about if you're creating a meal. All of a sudden, we're, we're making it, we're following a recipe. And I think, I, I would like, I think it would be good to add this ingredient to this. And I start just throwing things into there. And voila, I got a brand new spaghetti that I can eat with all these extra ingredients. And it tastes so much better. Right? So we can create a lot of different ways. But you know, God didn't create that way. God didn't create by trial and error and say, okay, I think I want to make a, a bowl. And uh, I think I'd like to, I'm going to give him two ears and two noses because I want it symmetrical. He says, no, that doesn't look good. I think we only need one in the middle. Right there you have trial and error. Um, he didn't say I'm going to make man with four legs and three arms and say, no, nah, never mind. I'm scratching that out. He didn't learn by trial and error. He just said, be this way. And he was this way. God didn't have directions to follow. God didn't have blueprints and said, okay, I'm, they say attach the arm to this shoulder and attach the leg here and this is where the ear goes. He didn't have to follow directions. He didn't just throw it together and say, hey, I'm just going to 
throw these body parts and hope, put it in the blender and hope it all comes out. God didn't create the way that man creates. God created, when he, when he created, it means to bring forth. As in when God created the world. God has the design, God has the pieces, but really God just spoke it into existence. When God created the world, he didn't have to say, here's the ingredients to make the earth, here's what's needed to grow a tree, here's what's there in order, in order to create the zebra. He just spoke it into existence. And that's how, how God creates, but he's intimately involved in every part of creation. Now, if you ask the world, how does a baby come about? Well, they're going to tell you the, maybe the facts of life. But they're going to look and say, okay, you have a woman. Her body was designed to do this. The sperm and the egg, they get together, and the baby starts to do this, and the body just does it. Right? That's what they're going to say. It's just natural. It's like if you had a, uh, a machine that was going to pump out parts. You just Somebody had to design it. They had to make all the computer program it, put the ingredients in it, and then it's just going to keep producing this part. That's what it's made to do. And they say that's what the woman's body is made to do, which it is made to do. But the only way that life really gets started, the only way that life is able to grow and change is through God. He has to be there overseeing, speaking into the existence, making sure everything happens in order for that to, to be there. So God was the creator of life. And when God created life for man, he created it, as, as a professor once said, uh, when God created the earth, he said it was good. When God created the animal, animals, it was good. When God created people, it was very good. When he created man, it was better than what he created every everything else as because God created it in his own man in his own image that means you have the ability to think to reason to have a relationship with I realize that's nothing startlingly uh, fascinatingly new but that is something that separates you from the animals that's something that separates you from everything else in creation and that means God cares about you as people more than God cares about anything else that he ever created because God cares about man. He cares about all of life. The anticipated life, God cares about. And if God cares about the anticipated life, that, that even if it's something that somebody says, I don't care about this life, I don't care about that baby and that unborn, if God cares about that life, what do you think we should do with that unborn life? We should care about it. Thank you. We should care as much as we can about that unborn life if God cares about that unborn life. So how do I show, or what can I do to show that I care about that unborn life? Well, here's four different ways. Let me back that up. Uh, I don't think I'm going to let this go online, so I'm just going to stop and say, okay. Um, in, in Awana, we were discussing this truth uh, about a baby and about uh, how God knows everything that we think, everything that we see, everything that we're going to say. And all the kids were white as sheets because they were afraid, oh no, God knows what I'm thinking right now. Right, kids? No, they didn't do that. But I did give them a little test that I'm going to let you think in your mind. Uh, these are facts about a baby. At what point can you detect the heartbeat of a baby? Anybody remember from Awana? 
Okay, five weeks. You can detect the heartbeat. Now, man just figured that out, that you can detect this heartbeat at, at five weeks. God already knew. God already designed that that baby was going to have his heartbeat detected at five weeks. But God's the one who put that heartbeat there. Finding fingertips, I mean with the uh, fingerprints, everybody's got their own unique set, so don't be robbing any banks. Okay, Caleb, what is it? Ten weeks. That's when you have your own unique set of fingerprints. They discover whether you are a boy or a girl. Anybody want to take a shot at it? Fourteen weeks. That's when they can tell. But God has already picked. God has already chosen what you're going to be way before man even knows. You feel pain at, A, 22 weeks. That's when they say... A baby knows, ouch, this hurts. I don't want to go through this experience. And so obviously, you know, the last answer was 21 weeks. There was in night, uh, 2021, I don't know the guy's name. I think it's a kid named Kurt that was the uh, youngest living baby outside the womb at 21 weeks because we have technology in order to help that life go. But this is these are some facts about a baby. But you can find more. When's their lungs develop? When do they get fingers or hands and arms and their organs get developed right god created man and very special and we we get the exciting opportunity to to discover when these things actually come about but god created man special and all lives matter to him so what can we do about this fascinating life to support it when that's anticipated whether somebody wants this life or not well, first of all, I'd say pray for the unborn. And you don't have to know. Any, I don't know any pregnant people right now that I know of. And I, I, so I certainly don't know anybody who's expecting a baby they don't want. But I know that there are people out there right now who are trying to decide, am I going to keep this baby or am I not going to keep this baby? That little baby has no idea what's going on in the outside world. That baby needs some help. It needs some prayer. We can be praying just in general for the unborn baby to be able to be born. We can be praying for uh, the family that's going to be involved in that decision. You know, if that baby is born, all of a sudden, uh, it's going to mean... Uh, new great new grandparents possibly it's going to mean uh, a support system for other people involved a lot of people are going to be affected by that little baby so you can pray for the unborn baby and all the people affected by that unborn life uh, you can be praying you can uh, support those involved in the situation you know, whether the baby's expected or whether the baby's not expected, there are people who need support in that situation. That might mean that you're you're donating money to a cause. Right? You have the the baby bottles that come out in the the summertime between Mother's Day and Father's Day. That money goes to help inform women or and some men about what the, their choices are. Here's an ultrasound, but that is a support system. You can throw money at it, you can throw help at it. Somebody's got this baby. They don't know, have no idea what to do with this baby. They're concerned. Uh, you, you might physically help them. You might give them time, you, time for a conversation. You might be throwing that motherly, fatherly wisdom into those people's lives. I even think about those who got pregnant outside of wedlock. You know, that's not the ideal way to get pregnant. That's not what God had in mind. But even those people, they need support in their situation. That baby still needs support. So we can pray for the unborn. As we have opportunity, we can support. 
some of, somebody has had to do this, has had to make the decision to keep the baby. Now, I don't think anybody here is going to say that's me today. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes God has a funny sense of humor. Because there are those who, uh, and I've, I've said this before, but I, I remember coming across this, this couple that was in their 40s. They already are almost empty nesters. Kids are about grown out of the house. Mom's fixed, her dad's fixed, and all of a sudden mom's pregnant. Guess who is not happy about this? Mom is not happy because she's like, I'm in my 40s. I've, I've lost that baby weight. I was getting, I'm out of the diaper stage. I want to sleep all night long. And so, in, and there are circumstances that come up where people say, I don't want this baby. I've been there. I've done that. I have no way to support this baby. I don't care about babies. I, but you might find yourself in that decision where I got to make the decision to keep this kid. Hopefully that's not us. I'm, I'm already out of that baby stage. But if it happened, I'd be excited. But it could happen. And at number four, it might be just choosing to adopt a kid. You know, uh, there are situations where someone in the family gets pregnant, however they get pregnant, and they, they say, I'm getting rid of this baby. And you might be the only option that there is to keep that baby from being aborted. They say, okay, Steve, I'm not going to have this baby unless you take this baby and you adopt this baby. Are you going to be willing to make that decision? Okay, I'll take the baby if, if that's the only way to, to protect this life. God cares about the unborn, so we should care about the unborn. I have no idea what that's going to mean on your plate or what you might have to do, but we know that all lives matter to God, so the life of the unborn matters to God. Number two, this is where we all kind of fit in. Every single one of us. We may, we may never get to the anticipated life stage. We may have been there and done that. It may never come back to haunt us. Uh, but this is something where we can all find ourselves. Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 25 and 30 to 31 to 32. It says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Verse 32 says, or verse 31, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. God knows he's concerned. This is, this is the category that fits the majority of us. You know, right? This is pretty much everybody. Whether somebody's an infant who's made it outside the womb or somebody is 85 years old still running around on a tractor chasing cows. Right? This is the biggest portion of people in the world today. And, in, and looking at these verses, you find people who are, who are really in the, midst, in the midst of living life. They're, they're in the thick of things. Some people apparently are worrying about where the next meal is coming from. Some people are worrying about what clothes they're going to wear. Um, but God, it says that God knows that you need them. God cares. He's aware. He's paying attention. He's involved. And so we're going to look at a couple of scriptures where we find Jesus himself, while he's on earth, caring about the active life. People who, just like you and I, uh, they're, they're out in the countryside, they're living life, but just like you and I, who are actively living out life, he's, he's, he's caring about them. So we see that in 
Our point number one is God or Jesus cared about the physical needs. It says a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, saying, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus is filled with compassion because all lives matter to God. He cares about this physical condition. He reached out his hand and he touched the man and says, I'm willing to be clean. No, leprosy, you know, that's a contagious disease. It's something where you're, it falls apart. I mean, you're, you're, your skin dies and you can break off body parts. It's something that nobody wants. You're an outcast situation. And Jesus touches the guy. I picture him putting his hand on his shoulder and says, I'm willing, be clean. He doesn't go, yeah, you just go over there and... You know, this guy probably hasn't been touched for a long time. Nobody wants that. But he has compassion. And he cares about physically what this guy is going through. But God and Jesus, they don't just care about that guy's physical condition and what he's going through. God cares about the physical condition that you are going through as well. That doesn't mean he's going to fix every situation. I mean, I can tell you firsthand that just because God has the power to fix every physical ailment that we have doesn't mean he will. I have a brother with probably a brain tumor, and I, I mentioned last week kind of how he's doing. My wife with MS, I know that there are those of you in here who have physical issues that God is not taking away. But that doesn't mean God doesn't care. He does care about what you're going through. And you think about when Jesus came to earth. He could have been born in a palace. He could have had slaves. He could have had a heated bed before heated beds were invented. Right? He could have had everything. Warm bottles before they even knew what bottles were. He could have had... But he... he we, as on earth, he came to poor parents. As a man, he experienced hunger. He experienced thirst. He experienced pain on a cross. He experienced fatigue. He experienced uh, rejection. So every physical ailment he experienced. I mean, and he, he just was in the moment. He went through that pain. When he was on the cross, he didn't say, okay, time out, Father. This is where I'm going to go with my spiritual body so I don't feel any of this. No, he endured every physical pain on that cross just as if you were up there going through that as well. It can make people question, well, how could a loving God do this? How, how can he really be God if he's allowing people to go through this? I don't know what his purposes are. It's beyond my understanding, kind of like Trinity in Sunday school. I, I can't explain everything, but I know that God still cares. Here's an example. I can think of in my own life, I think about my gallbladder issue. Thankfully, that was taken care of. God has given man technology and medicine in order for surgeries to take place. So he does care. So God cares about your physical needs, even if it doesn't always feel like it.